Hey, Sacramento Soccer Squad. Welcome to episode 19 of the Sacktown FC podcast, the number one soccer-specific podcast in Sacramento, part of the Beautiful Game Network. Check out other podcasts from all levels of the USL and MLS. Visit them on bgn.fm. My name is Danny, and today I'm joined, as usual, by my co-hosts, Luis and John. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. I mean, it's another day in quarantine, but, you know, optimistic and hopeful that, you know, we we put this behind us and, you know, we're able to, to see some good news, you know, one of these days. So I'm doing good besides the fact that I'm finishing my last beer of the case of beer I bought from uh, New Glory. So it's a little bit of a sad moment considering they don't have that special of uh, of 19% off a case, but I think I'll work through it. But other than that, everything's good. That's good. I mean, at least they're delivering it to your door now, so you can always uh, order some more. This is true. This is true. We'll talk more about what they got going on too later. Uh, so today joining us via the Mikuni Dreamline is a huge Republic supporter whose roots started in Chile when his family moved to the U.S. when he was 10 years old. He is the founder of La Banda Sacramento, my boy, Rebel. How's everything going today, Rebel? Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, going good, you know, just uh, going through the motions of this whole quarantine. Um, first and foremost, I want to take the time to thank you guys for having me here. I mean, uh, you know, very excited to be here. You know, it's really great to see, you know, fans coming together, uh, making podcasts. And this is what, you know, is definitely needed for the club. You know, you often see, uh, you know, media that might not know the roots of the club. Uh, as good as the fans do. So it's definitely nice to see a group of guys like yourselves uh, coming together and, and making this thing happen and uh, having me on here so I could talk a little bit about my history and uh, my involvement with the uh, Republic. So definitely, uh, you know, happy to be here with you guys. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, we have some good questions for you uh, from the fans as well as from us that we would like to know more about you. So yeah, we'll go ahead and get started. So Rebel, um, we wanted to, you know, of course, get started with asking you, you know, where uh, did your affection for soccer come from? Uh, that's definitely a good question. I mean, I have to take it back down to South America and Chile where, you know, uh, football, soccer is big down there. Is is you breathe it, you live it. Um, you know, it might sound cliche, but you know, back back then at home, you know, growing up, uh, you know, as as far as I can remember, you know, seeing that first soccer ball, football, uh, falling in love with that, with the game, uh, going through games with my club down in uh, South America and, uh, for uh, you know supporting Colo Colo, and um, you know, just living every day through that, um, you know, with my uncles, um, friends down there, you know, we used to play and, um, you know, I used to play at a very young age. And when I, you know, started, you know, learning the game from older guys, that were 16, 18, 20, uh, 21 years old. Um, definitely, you know, um, it was just something that just got deep in my roots and, you know, I just can't let go. And I like to call it my vice and passion, you know, um, it's definitely something that, um, you know, have to take it back to Chile. That's what, that's where it all began. That's awesome. Um, we had a question. We have a lot of questions tonight that actually came from social media, but we have a question from uh, sunflower blue eyes who asks, did you grow up playing soccer? And if so, what position? Uh, yes, I, I grew up playing uh, football, soccer, 
um, like I said, at a very young age, uh, my, my favorite position was forward. Um, you know, that was my, my thing. I, I looked up to, you know, being that, uh, number nine, you know, it, it's kind of crazy, you know, like as a kid down in South America, there's, you know, of course, it's just a different vibe. Um, very, I mean, I, I grew up very humble in the neighborhood, uh, down in South America in Chile called VL, VL cities and that, um, neighborhood, you know, you see everybody play. Um, it was really, you know, a tough neighborhood. You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, gangs, drugs, and um, definitely uh, for me to be in, involved in the game just kept me away from that, you know. Um, but forward was my favorite position. That's what I played, um, and that's what I grew up with. I looked up to uh, players like, you know, Batistuta uh, from Argentina, Ivan Zamorano from, from, from my home country, uh, play like that. So. Uh, number nine and forward is, is was my uh, my uh, you know what I play. That's awesome, man. So uh, Rebel, we know your family moved to the U.S. back in '94, good old days. Uh, can you give us some insight into why your family chose to leave Chile for the U.S.? Uh, yes. Um, so my family, um, you know, uh, there was a time where we had a. a pretty bad rough time in the in the country uh we went through a dictatorship uh, there was a dictator called uh pinochet was a general um there was a, a lot of things happening people were disappearing um you know uh murder uh ran over by tanks um you know there was a lot of uh, family members and uh, friends that we knew that uh disappeared um this general was taking over uh running the country however he wanted uh he overthrew a uh a president we had Salvador Allende, and then everything started collapsing in the in the country. Um, it hit to the point where you know my family thought it would be the best idea to uh, move um, because everything was trickling down. So uh, my mom's side of the family was already here in the states. Uh, my aunt, actually, you know, my aunt was sorry, not my aunt, but my mom's aunt. Uh, she lived in New York, and uh, at the time, um, she was a nurse down there in New York, and she convinced my grandma to to come down to um, the states, and that's how it all began. My grandma is the one that was first one here, and then um, you know uh, there were some some that came here legally, and some that came here illegally, uh, and that's how it was. And um, you know that's kind of when I moved out here. I was ten years old. I was very young. Um, definitely a different um, setting for me, uh, leaving all my friends behind, my my culture. Uh, you know, trying to learn the language, a new language, uh, definitely was, was very tough. But um, that's how it all began is my parents uh, just moved down here. And then, uh, you know, uh, we all just started living the, you know, the American dream, basically. Well, I, for one, I'm so glad that you guys made it out of there. And uh, even though it was hard for you guys to leave your country and your culture behind, you know, it was kind of a matter of life and, and death. So I'm I'm thankful that you guys were able to make it out and were able to make it to the UA safe, safely for sure. Oh yeah, def definitely. I mean, it, it was just uh, a scary time, you know, as as a kid and and you know and and learning about this thing that was going on. You know, um, there was definitely uh, everything collapsed, the economy, and and. You know, it's kind of deja vu. Everything is catching up right now because right now the the country at this time is unstable. You know, there was a lot of people. Pro you know, it was just going down. And uh, before uh, the the virus started happening, now people are all in their houses. But 
uh, before then, there was a lot of people, you know, protesting and, and a lot of, uh, you know, just people just had enough, you know, um, and definitely at the time when I was younger, um, it was good to to get out of Chile and, and then come here to the States. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what would have been the future if I was just stayed there, you know, I mean, I was sad to leave everything behind, but at the same time, you know, just made it out safely uh, out of the country was, was our, our priority, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. So you, you came here in 94. Uh, what was it like to come to the U.S. during the World Cup year? Uh, yeah, that was one of the things that when I was uh, living, you know, I was giving hugs and saying goodbye, um, you know, uh, family members, friends. Um, they were talking about, hey, you know, you, you're going to go right there when, when the World Cup is happening, you know. Um, and, and it was all new to me. I, I never, you know, down in South America, you never hear uh, about the United States. You know, I, I never heard, uh, you know, about, you know, the history of the United States and, and soccer, you know. So for for me, it was just coming here was all different. I knew that, um, you know, there were build, I mean, not building, but there were uh, playing games at uh, American football stadiums and, and all that. And they were getting ready to, to, to you know, have this uh, big, big event, you know. Um, so it was definitely different, um, you know, because you, as a kid, you, you could see that, um, you know, kids playing outside on the streets like it was back home. I mean, like back home. Um, you know, we would just be kicking the ball in the, in the neighborhood um, or, you know, in school. You know, that my first day in school when I came here to the state, it was pretty scary, you know, and not knowing the language whatsoever. Um, but, you know, in, in recess, you wouldn't see kids playing, uh, you know, football, soccer. Uh, it was basketball or kickball, um, stuff like that. And uh, but again, you know, 94, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but seeing, you know, I, when it started like happening, I started seeing it on TV and, and, and all that. Um, I was like, okay, well, the stadiums are, are, are packed, you know, people are interested, you know, and um, I, that's where it kind of, you know, started taking off for, for the States when we had the World Cup. That was a big, big thing for, for the United States. Yeah, it, it was, it was definitely, a, you know, a big thing, like you said. And, you know, when we get to host it again in like six years from now, I think it's, it's going to be even bigger and it's going to, it's an exciting time. I mean, we're the sport, you know, keeps growing each year and in six years, it's, it's going to be amazing to, to have it here again. So super excited to, to see that world cup. So um, rebel um, as uh, Danny mentioned earlier to you, you were the founder of uh, La Banda, you know, one of our supporter groups for um, Soccer Republic. Um, what was the reason behind starting it? And what was that process like? Yeah, La Banda de Puente is, is you know, uh, the category of La Banda de Puente is very, um, you know, there's a lot of things that went behind it, you know, it's controver- controversial and, you know, uh, at the beginning, you know, I mean, I, I joined Tower Bridge Battalion uh, when, you know, when the club was here, um, I, I did my research, um, I talked to uh, uh, the VP of Tower Bridge Battalion, um, who was, uh, you know, he, he went down to South America and, and we kind of clicked on that end. And uh, we talked and everything. I joined Tower Bridge, went to, you know, every game on the on the first year. And then um, there was a game, uh, you know, where I started learning. Cause it, again, this was everything was new to me and it was new to a lot of people here, um, you know, when the club uh, was born. Um, and pretty much, 
you know, as uh, we started growing, I saw that uh, there was one game that we played against uh, Atlas in 2014, uh, the, the first year. And um, there was, you know, Atlas came in with their supporters group and they came in big. They came in with a lot of people from the Bay Area, Los Angeles. And, you know, they came with, uh, with the Bumble, the Mood Guys, which, you know, has the little plates on the top of the drums, you know, and, and it, they just came in with the confetti and, and they made it big. And they made us look bad. We looked all dull and stuff like that. So, um, you know, basically, um, at the end of the game, there was a lot of things said, you know. Uh, there was a lot of drama between the supporter groups, between Tower Bridge Battalion and, and uh, their Atlas supporter group. Um, and then at the end, um, there was a lot of things going on on, on, on the Facebook. There was a lot of people that uh, were commenting and the Hispanic community and all that. Uh, there was a lot of that controversial, uh, you know, as you guys know, the, the, when the goalkeeper kicks the ball, you know, and they start yelling out that, hey, boo, you know, I'm not going to say it, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and a lot of people started like getting divided, you know, they started, uh, you know, not seeing eye to eye. So we, you know, uh, we felt that we needed to bring a bridge. That's why it's called La Banda del Puente, because the Puente means bridge. You know, we needed a bridge to connect the fans and, connect them in a way that they can understand uh, the other side, you know, all culture down in South America, Central America, you know, and, um, you know, we thought it'd be a good idea to, you know, have that incorporated in, in Tower Bridge Battalion. So we started getting the name, everything, drums, uh, you know, and we started doing it uh, in a way where we can connect and, and, hey, you know what, let's, let's all be together and you know participate in uh you know supporting a club republic and and that's how the the la banda was born interesting that's pretty epic um and that you guys saw what they had done previously with lattice and then you guys made kind of made it your own but you also incorporated tbb to to make the most out of it so that's awesome um not only are we the number one soccer-specific podcast in Sacramento, but we uh, also go coast to coast from San Diego all the way out to uh, New England. So we have a lot of questions tonight, and this is one of them. It comes from Marissa with the Fairweather podcast in San Diego, and she asks, what was it like to manage different personalities as the founder and president of La Banda? Uh, that's a good question. Um, Marissa, you know, I want to give her a shout out. She's you know, uh, a really good girl. She, you know, she goes to the solo games and I've seen her pictures. It looks like she's always having a good time and she's very involved with the, with the game. Um, and different personalities, I mean, it is very hard to manage, you know. Um, it's a good point because, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, they have opinions and, and that's when I believe when different supporter groups as well, they, and they're all supporting the same team, they clash because there's different uh, ways that they feel that things should be done. Um, for me, I had a problem uh, when I was leading La Banda where uh, there was a lot of people that wanted to uh, sing in Spanish, you know, uh, they wanted to do it and they wanted to, uh, you know, over, over, uh, you know, pretty much like take over uh, battalion, basically, you know, they wanted to just have it all, you know, some songs in Spanish and, and then, you know, very little English. And I say, well, you know, we got to work together. You know, there's no way that we're going to survive if we don't work together. Um, and 
there was one time, you know, I'm always, you know, I never considered myself a leader, you know, um, but when we talked, you know, we made the decision, which kind of backfired on us a little bit, um, that we wanted to, you know, let's go ahead and do it, you know, let's, let's just all chant in Spanish and then just go in there. And then this was because the section was, you know, you had Tower Bridge Battalion and then you had, uh, you know, us, um, we were supposed to all come in and, you know, do a couple of songs in Spanish and doing them in English with Tower Bridge. But, you know, the group, we were like 30, 40 deep. And then they all decided they wanted to just sing in Spanish. You know, they don't want to wait for singing in English. So, you know, I said, okay, let's just do it. We did it and it felt really bad, you know, because you had Tower Bridge in the bottom singing in English and we were all singing in Spanish on top and it just didn't feel right, you know? So it, a lot of people after that, you know, after the game, we were, I was like, we can't have that. You know, I got a lot of heat from the, the Tower Bridge guys, the, the main guys, the head guys. And, you know, um, it was just, it was crazy. It was nuts because, you know, we should have came together and, you know, just different personalities and, and I'm all about like, you know, um, whatever everybody wants to do, let's just do it. You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to be like, it has to be my way, but I feel at the time there was more numbers that were like, Hey, let's just do it this way. We did it. It didn't work out. Uh, we caught a lot of backfire for that. And, um, it's very hard to just manage different, different personalities. You know, you're going to go, you're going to have your people that are okay with it and, and not okay with it. And, um, at the time, this kind of led into like conflict, you know, so just that definitely hard, uh, you know, managing different personalities. Yeah, I mean, I hear that I've, I've had to do it myself in the last couple of years or so. So I, I get where you're coming from there. So Rebel, you and I have been talking pretty regularly uh, for probably about six months now. And it's, uh, we haven't really gotten into debt as to why you left La Banda and that's something I've, I've actually wondered and I've, I've always kind of meant to get into it, but I've never gone around to asking. So I would like to know why did you ultimately decide to leave La Banda as the one who started it? Yes. So um, it is, you know, it, it wasn't easy to leave something that, you know, you um, helped build, you know, um but the the odds were stacked against me and the and the group you know i mean um a lot of people don't know this but i'll talk about it because you know it's, it's part of the history you know we all learn to grow you know and get better um at the time when the club was born um their first uh, op, uh the first you know uh goal was mls even before the team uh played they wanted to go to mls that was just the key um, so they, they built everything they built, uh, they supported the, the main group there that was Tower Bridge Battalion, you know, and, you know, we, when we, we came around, uh, you know, we wanted to incorporate the, the Hispanic community. Danny, you know me, I'm, I'm big on the Hispanic community as you are. Um, I Absolutely. think they're essential. Yeah. They're essential to the, to the game, you know? And, and we've been through stuff. You've been through it uh, with Los Unicos, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's just, uh, you know, the, the backstory and the politics that are behind that. So, um, you know, incorporating this, a lot of people don't know was really hard. Um, so when La Banda was born, um, we had our guys and, and the club at, the, you know, the front office at that time uh, didn't show the support that we thought we, we would get, you know. 
um, there was pretty much a a uh, sense of that we were trying to divide Tower Bridge, and that that was not the uh, the uh, you know the goal. Uh, we never wanted to divide Tower Bridge. You know, we were Tower Bridge, so it are Tower Bridge right now. You know, and you know the, they didn't understand because a lot of these guys, you know, with you know, with all due respect, a lot of these USL executives they come from a brand, background of baseball, you know, and and all that stuff. So when when the guys took this, the the Republic guys took this, they didn't know how how big it was gonna get. So. You know, with um, with different you know cultures, they, they they don't they didn't know how to manage that. So, as you know, the bomb got bigger. I think they saw it as a threat. You know, and pretty much, you know, um, they started putting obstacles. They 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 did something with the tickets. Um, they wanted us to have uh, what's called bylaws. You know, where you have a a, a president, a vice president, and then. Oh yeah, um, you know, yeah. They wanted us to incorporate that, and we we didn't believe that. I mean, we just wanted to come in there and have fun. So, and then once we did that, you know, just to please the club, there was there will be times where uh, there will be I would call up the club and kind of, hey, I want to join, uh, you know, La Banda, and 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 they would automatically say that we didn't assist. You know, I, I heard people, you know, when I was talking to them, they're like, no, you know, we only have Tower Bridge, and then like that. Uh, one time I was in the in the office. I came down there, and I wanted to talk to uh, you know the the founder of Republic, Warren Smith. A lot of people love Warren Smith, you know. Um, I have respect for the guy, but I I never only said hi and and bye. That was that was it. And this might sound <laughs> this might sound controversial, but that's that's the plain truth. Um, they told I said hey let me say hi to Warren Smith. They were like oh no he's you know, he's busy. I'm like, I just saw him like right there in the open. And I was like, well, he doesn't have time to talk to a fan. You know, he knew what we were doing, but never took the time to reach out to us at the time, you know, um, you know, the marketing manager at the time too, you know, never took the time either. Uh, there was one person that I, you know, I, you guys probably know him, uh, Joe, Joe Wagner. Um, when all this stuff that was going on, he reached out to us and said, Hey, you know, let's, let's have a sit down. Um, so they took us and then we sat down and uh, we started talking about that. And, you know, as, as stuff started, you know, progressing, that there was a lot of obstacles. Um, it, we weren't growing. So then at the time I, I decided to, you know what, you know, we were losing a lot of members. We, and then I was like, you know what, I, this is not, I need to take, I need somebody to take over this, you know, I need somebody that is going to just, you know, Maybe that person sees something that I don't see, you know. So that's when uh, Scott uh, from the Labanda podcast came in, and and he took over, and he's he's the one that's you know leading this whole thing. Uh, but he has become more of a podcast than a than a supporter group out, you know. But they're doing a great job. Uh, but that's pretty much I ended up leaving because I just had enough. There was a lot of drama, uh, which is now put behind us, but. You know, it's just that that was left for me to leave the banda and, and the whole with MLS and all this stuff. I didn't want the group to just kind of cater to MLS. I wasn't about that. So I felt like maybe I should step down and let somebody that perhaps might have an open mind to that uh, lead the group that, you know, and I didn't want the banda to die. So that's why, you know, I better step back. And, and that's what I ended up doing.
It also sounds familiar to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, as, as you were um, talking about Joe, yeah. I mean, I've said it here before on the podcast, like, Joe, Joe's amazing. Uh, wish, you know, he could come back to the club, too. But um, he helped uh, help me out, too, with the situation I had with uh, someone from security, like, a couple years back, too. So, yeah, he, he always looked out for, for the fans. So. Oh, yeah, that, that guy is great. I mean, like, we, we sent out, like, countless of emails to to republic you know at the time this and i want to make it clear too i mean i'm not talking about now I'm, this was like you know 2014 to 2015 you know like this was a couple we were all like learning and growing you know like uh the the executives that were behind there were were you know they're no longer with the club um they were like learning too you know um they didn't know nothing about any supporter groups or anything and then we will go into what not to do and, and, and what we could do better and and you know sending those emails to joe was you know essential because he just you know uh, was on top of it and replied and that was a little bit of a dark side of republic that a lot of people don't know and um you know a lot of things got mixed in uh you know and, and la banda at the time was very controversial because there was a lot of people uh you know on instagram uh, facebook commenting against us and there was a lot of drama and at the end of the day, you know, we were just trying to support the club, you know, and it was just, that's why I feel like, you know, uh, clicking with Danny, you know, because they were going through the same stuff, but we didn't go through it at the extent of what Reno, you know, was doing down in, uh, you know, with, with their club, you know, uh, excluding them and all that, you know, I mean, our, our stuff was pretty, you know, uh, pretty rough but their stuff down in reno that that was just crazy that's just on another level you know yeah 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 his, his story is is crazy too it's yeah yeah this is what i was thinking uh as soon as you were talking about all that and in my mind i i, I kind of thought i would have rather people say things to my face and i would have rather people actually spoke up and, and said them to our face but instead they made up things and they went about it with lies and just to exclude us and they claimed they weren't excluding us, but they were clearly excluding us. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's a pretty, pretty crazy time. And, uh, that and, happened. Yet, and yet they've gone out of their way to block you on social media too, in order to yep. attempt to silence you from speaking the truth. Right. So exactly. There's a lot of things there that is shady in it, in and of itself, but we've also discussed this and, and I feel like there's, there's a lot that needs to be, be told on on multiple I, levels yeah and I, and I think that's uh one of the things to just to add to some stuff is is won't be the the main problem with uh u.s soccer uh when it comes to you know uh the minorities you know uh, some clubs do it pretty good you know they they definitely include uh the hispanic communities but some clubs do not and i feel like uh you know some of the usl clubs they could they could do definitely do better um but you know i think with with the story of Republic, you know, and, and La Banda, you know, it could have gone sour because, you know, it, it just couldn't be all bad, but we were able to fix it. I mean, I, I do have to, you know, admire what, uh, when, you know, when Kevin Nagel and, and uh, the vice president took, took over Republic and, and, you know, they started doing things like just basic stuff like Dia, Dia de los Muertos, you know, they did that. Um, they started partnering up with the local Hispanic communities, you know, um, stuff started happening, you know, like stuff, you know, 
Uh, and then, you know, those guys down there, uh, La Banda Podcast, too, you know, they, they started, you know, uh, podcasting in Spanish, doing a lot of interviews. Because if you notice, the club, the club really doesn't do that uh, now. You know, they don't have a channel dedicated to, you know, speaking Spanish and all that. But the club, you know, is definitely, you know, was lagging on that. And, and then they got up to speed on that. Um, and now it's just a, a different vibe, you know, and, and it's just, I love what we're doing now, uh, especially, you know, adding uh, Los Unicos uh, down to the mix. It's just, we're, we're stronger, we're better than, than ever. And I just can't wait till we resume the season, you know, it's just, it's just kind of blow everything off the water, you know. So uh, Rebel, are you a part of any supporter group now? Uh, yes. Uh, first and foremost, you know, uh, Tower Bridge Battalion is my supporter group. Uh, you know, Tower Bridge Battalion is just been a lot. It means a lot to me, you know, um, you know, they're, they're friendly, you know, uh, that's, that's the main, main supporter group that I, I belong to Tower Bridge Battalion, which now is a union, you know, where the whole multiple supporter groups, you know, um, and I'm also, you know, I have that love for La Banda del Puente. I'm part of that. And I'm also now part of Los Unicos. So I'm part of Los Unicos, you know. Uh, I told Danny, you know, I'm, I'm down with you guys, you know. Let's make it happen. Uh, and, you know, and honestly, you know, uh, just literally part of every group, you know. But um, La Banda del Puente, Los Unicos, and, and Tower Bridge, those are the, the main groups that I belong to. He is uh, the proud owner of one of the first Unico shirts ever made because I sent him one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I got I got to put a picture on there again, my my selfie on with the with los Unicos. You know, I got to represent it. <laughs> That's right. Got to got to wear it proud. And we have some other stuff coming too, where we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have some shirts made here pretty soon, uh, Rebel. So we'll have to get oh, send it my shirts. way. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got to, I got to rep that. I, when, when the games come, just send them my way. I'll, I'll be representing. Don't we're worry. gonna put, we're gonna put polos with initials of people that we've interviewed. I think so. That oh, be, that's amazing. That would be yeah. kind of cool. We'll put, we'll put your nickname on the, uh, on the right side, and then our logo oh, left. That'd be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rebel, what is the difference in supporters in South South America compared to the states? Um, is is there's a big big difference? Um, you know. I, I number, let me just highlight the in the states. You know, I mean, again, I'll go back to uh, one of the games that we we're going to play against uh, Fresno in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, you know, Tower Bridge was still getting their stuff. This is 2014. They were still getting the stuff together. Like, hey, what, what are we going to pregame and all that? Um, there was a restaurant that um, you know we were supposed to pregame at. Um, something happened at that restaurant. There was somebody that got pistol whooped on that restaurant. Um, the the um, leaders of Tower Bridge Battalion sent this this email out and, and stating that, hey, you know what? We're we're not gonna go to that. Uh, we're not gonna go to that um, restaurant. Somebody just got pistol whooped. You know, we're not having any part of that. Um, that that was just like, you know, I, I took a couple of steps back and realized that, well, these these guys really care about the safety of anybody that goes into the group, you know, they're, they're looking out, you know, anybody would have said what, you know, um, I mean, anybody in South America would have said what you, you just, you know, you scare of a little pistol wolf, let's just go in there, you know, let's just do it. The tough guys, you know, and all that, <laughs> oh, shit. you know, 
um, that's just how it is, you know, and, and I'd realized that I'm like, Hey, you know, this is, this is de- definitely different because I, I grew up in the supportive culture, you know, when I was uh, very young in Chile, um, you know, my club is Colo Colo down in South America and, and their supportive group is, is called La Garra Blanca, which is funny enough it's in English is the white claw, white claw. You guys know the white claw, right? <laughs> and, um, pretty much, you know, it's just stuff is, uh, you know, definitely different. The, the the whole culture, you know, here they they care about customer service. I know a lot of people complain about MLS, the league, maybe not, you know, all this stuff. But you have no idea what it's like in South America. They don't. We can't even get close to uh, their customer service, the people that work behind the club, you know. Um, and then as far as like supporter groups, you know, and and barras down in South America, is is definitely, you know, I. I mean, on, on on me, I always carry this shirt that says Barra Brava Sacramento. This is, this is I, I made that. And, you know, the term for me is not somebody, in South America, you ask anybody, any journalist in South America, they'll tell you that, that that's a criminal, you know. Um, that's what they're representing. Uh, to me, it's, it's, not, it's not that. It's just being proud of your club, you know. Um, there are criminals down in, in that get mixed in, in in the barras in South America, but again, you know, um, it could happen anywhere. Uh, but the support is definitely, you know, different. You know, um, South America, I gotta say, is, is passionate. You know, um, they get away with more stuff. You know, unfortunately, in the states, you know, we can't pop pyro. You know, we can't uh, do confetti. You know, I remember. Uh, at a Republic game, I threw this confetti down and hit the field and, and the people were looking at me all like, hey, what are you doing? You know, you can't do that, you know. And, you know, but it, it's just, it's, it's a different ball game down in South America. I, 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 if you were to ask me which, I like the culture in South America, but I feel very safe here in the States, you know. <laughs> I feel like I can go to a game easily. I don't have to go through, like, you know, 20 metal detectors like I have to go down in South America you know that's how you you got 10 gates in South America you know um you can easily come here in the Republic game park in in South America um you know you have to pay you don't pay the people that are working for the club in South America you pay the barras you pay the people that the supporter uh the supporter guys that are are representing the club you pay them, you pay them to take care of your car because if you don't pay them, they're going to smash your windows. And that that's the difference. That's scary, you know, but, you know, that's just the difference. Yeah, I, I hear that. And I've I've been around the, the Mexican barras too, and it gets pretty crazy down there. <laughs> um, so we have a question all the way from New England, uh, from Cameron. And uh, it's a question that I can also answer as well after you. Um, he wants to know how do supporter groups give back to the community? Uh, that's that's a good question because you know a lot of people. You know, n- number one is like every supporter group has a uh, you know well not every supporter group but the most part they have memberships. You know, you sign up and then you get a scarf and all that, and then um, you know a lot of people wonder you know what what's going on with that that money you know. Uh, there, there are very ways to, you know, put that money to use, and that is giving back to the community. I know Tower Bridge um, has done a lot to, you know, um, regarding, you know, kids with cancer, 
uh, you know, uh, domestic violence. They, they, they go on walks, you know. Um, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, we do to uh, volunteer, you know. Uh, myself, you know, I'll, I'll take ownership. I could volunteer more of my time to do those things, you know. But the group itself, you know, they do a great job volunteering to the community and, and helping out where, where it's needed, you know. Um, but supportive groups uh, on that end are essential, you know, to, you know, give back to the community in ways that, you know, make the community better um, and supporting uh, the areas, you know. Um, and, you know, also they, they done things like, you know, go around and, and planting trees around the city. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, supportive groups do do to give back to that to the community you know i mean it's, it's definitely big you know and and i feel like you know we have an opportunity to you know as, as supporter groups and, and and football soccer gets big in america to to set the standard of of you know of what we can do the power that we have to to make changes around our area you know I mean, if we come together, we would definitely put pressure on on different folks. You know, I, I feel like you know, as we continue to grow, um, that's gonna happen. You know, we would definitely um, are a big essential, uh, you know, uh, weapon to to change and and help our communities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, Cameron, uh, just like like Rebel says, supporter groups uh, they they help the community each group is a little bit different and each group has their own kind of little thing. And I wanted to talk about our thing here in Reno. Um, I'm a part of the PVA Reno, which is Pancho Villa's army. And it's the Reno chapter for the Mexican national team, uh, as well as I'm the co-founder of Los Unicos and the president of Los Unicos from the Sacramento Republic. Uh, the way we like to support the community is that we follow um, a lot of the, the, the Facebook like garage sales sites and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same in Sacramento, but in Reno, we have a lot of people that post on that, those Facebook pages. Um, if somebody unfortunately loses a family member, uh, they want to pay for funeral costs for um, whomever it may be. Uh, they post on Facebook, and it's something called a kermes. I'm not sure, Rebel, if you know what a kermes is, if you guys have heard of it. Um, it's when the family comes together, and they uh, it's like a neighborhood, and they all come together, and they choose a house, and everybody brings a dish. It could be pozole, it could, bring, it could be menudo, it could bring, be churros, it could be anything, you know, beer, sodas, anything like that. Everybody gets together, and the community comes in, to that, to that kermes is what it's called. Um, and then everybody buys tickets. Uh, each ticket costs a certain amount and you can buy food from those stands with those tickets and all that money goes towards the funeral cost of whoever it is. And we've actually gone to so many of them, even if we don't know the person, uh, I, I have, uh, you know, taken the picture of the, uh, they usually make flyers. Uh, I take a screenshot of it and I send it to my group and we've shown up, uh, you know, upwards of 40, 50 people at, at, at one point for somebody that we don't even know. And it's just simply to support the community and help somebody in such a difficult time. And we've actually gained a lot of uh, support and a lot of members from those um, kermes. Um, and it just shows that we can come together in, in difficult times and, and help each other out. So 
I want to talk about that so people know how we like to support our community. So um, Rebel, um, we, we actually got a couple more questions here in from uh, Marissa from uh, Fairweather Podcast from San Diego. Um, one of those questions is, uh, with sports being on hold, uh, what can we do as a media slash non-players to perfect our craft? Um, I mean, regarding the, you know, perfecting the craft as, as media, I feel like, you know, this stuff right here, like getting, you know, regular fans together on there, uh, talking, getting to know, uh, each other, you know, that's definitely a plus, you know, I know that, uh, for, for Marisa, um, their club is, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, they got, only well, got to play one game, you know, um, and they're a brand new club. Um, you know, and, and she's, again, she's involved in, in her club. Um, oh, I'm going to correct are. you. I'm going to correct you, Rebel. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. They are, they are actually the Western Conference leaders right now. Okay. Uh, they oh, they, they, they have two games in. They got two games. Two games. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Two games. So <laughs> the season undefeated. ended today. They won undefeated. the championship. They are undefeated. The championship. USL champions. Oh, my God. Um, but, you know. And I also want to throw in there that they, they beat Reno's ass. Oh, oh, I, I, you know, everybody beats Reno. I mean, okay. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Rebel. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like just this podcast, you know, coming together, that's just something that, you know, media, uh, you know, prefers, uh, you know, perfecting their craft. You know, this is why I love like stuff like Wait, this, wait, Rebel, wait, wait, wait. I'm just huh? kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Man, you got me. You got me right there. Um, but that's how they prefer the craft, you know. Um, I definitely love this stuff uh, more than, you know, I guess, you know, big multimedia channels like ESPN, all that stuff. You know, I, I love this stuff. So perfecting the craft with, with talking to regular fans and, and getting involved, like, you know, it's a good opportunity to get to know everything is, like, kind of slowing down. There's, for some of us, there's, there's a lot of time. For some of us, they, they got families. There's not a lot of time, you know, because you got the kids, the wife, all this stuff. You know, you're still working hard. Um, but you know, it's definitely, uh, stuff like this is what, you know, helps, um, you know, perfect, perfect the craft on the, on the media end. Yeah. And then she goes on to ask another question. I think this is right up everybody's alley. Um, and we can all relate to this question and, and Marissa says and asks, tell me a good story about how the football community has benefited you on a personal level. Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely, um, you know, I, I want to say, uh, when I lost my mom back in 2010, you know, um, a couple of years later, you know, Republic was born and, and, and me getting involved in the club with the club. That's why I owe a lot of this to this club, um, helped me, you know, uh, get through that, you know, even four years later is that definitely a, a pain you can, you can never get rid of, you know, and then recently, you know, um, as I posted on my Twitter, I, I was diagnosed with depression, you know, and anxiety and and this is a whole new thing i lived that with i lived with that for for many 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 years and, and different mood swings you know um so I'm, I'm doing much better i feel like every day is a step for me um and and you know the outpour from like you know everybody uh from republic fans hitting my uh inbox and and sending messages hey i'm here for you um you know if you can want to talk you know danny you guys everybody you know uh definitely that that I benefited from that because that that makes me stronger, you know. Um, so this is a place for you know to get that energy to to keep going, you know. 
Um, I don't plan on giving up. I, I, you know, this is, I'm a warrior. I'm going to continue to fight this battle. And, and this definitely um, helps out. I'm glad to hear that, man. And, and, and like we, like we keep saying, you know, we're always going to be there for you. Um, and that, that goes for everybody, anybody listening. Yeah. Um, if, if you're going through anything in your life where you need somebody to talk to, uh, you need somebody to listen, uh, you just want to tell us what's going on or even not even tell us what's going on and just, you know, have a friend to lend an, an ear. Uh, we want to be that ear. We want to be that, that person you can reach out to. Um, anybody can reach out to us and, uh, we're all human. Um, I'm going through some things right now in life. Um, and I've gotten endless support from my co-hosts, uh, Luis and John. Um, and I've, I've, I've felt so loved and so appreciated as well as rebel. Um, he always checks up on me no matter what, even though he's going through his own thing. Um, he, he texts me, uh, regularly on a regular basis. And, and that's something I never got from being a Reno supporter. Um, obviously my guys, my, my, my group has always been there, but it's never gone beyond that. Like, like it has in Sacramento, uh, being a Sacramento fan, uh, I've gotten support from people that are not in my group that just want to be there for you. And they just want to be friends and they want to just talk to you. And, um, it's why I, I stay loyal and I stay faithful. Just like I said on my, on my, on my thing on the website that always faithful because I, I, I feel it. I feel the brotherhood. I feel the love and rebel don't ever hesitate to reach out, man. And if you ever want to just hop on the podcast, you're feeling down or you're feeling any type of way, you're always welcome here, man. Oh, I appreciate that, Danny. I appreciate you guys. Definitely. You know, definitely. Thank you. And then that's a good point, you know, because this thing is not, you know, it, it's not a joke, you know, depression and, and all that. Um, it's definitely, if you're going through that, um, take that first step. I mean, I, I did, you know, I always felt like, oh yeah, I can get through it. I'm, I'm a strong guy, you know, um, I'm invincible, you know, but you know, definitely seek the help from a, from a professional and, and don't hesitate to talk to, to someone that, you know, uh, will be there to listen to you. It's definitely, um, you know, you can't, you just can't do it alone. There's, there's no way. So that's just no way. And I think going back to this question too, right. Um, when we talk about good stories about the football community, it's not really about a story, right? It's about a community and, and community being a part of a bigger picture, like a bigger, you know, extended family of sorts where, everybody's willing to help everybody and everybody's got everybody's back no matter what, you know, we've, we've done a lot on our end where we've posted things to help people, uh, whether it's a zoom phone call or something that provides face to face, especially in this time with self isolation and, and, you know, stepping back a little bit, social distancing, I think more than ever, your community is needed and whatever, whatever steps your community takes to have your back, I think the better, right? So we've told rebel, we've, we've told you that, Hey man, if you need to, if you need to get on a zoom call with us, or if you need a, a face to smile at, or just to, to look at for a little bit, hit us up. And Danny, we've told you the same thing. That's the, that's the thing about a, a football community, right? Is that it's an extended family and we're always here to have each other's back. So Please, anybody listening to this tonight, don't hesitate to hit us up. You know, we, we will provide you the, the, uh, the appropriate um, response and numbers that you may need, but we'll always be there for you to help you.
Yeah, definitely. Uh, so back to the, the football questions. Um, Rebel, uh, as someone from Chile, what was it like being represented by a team that won back-to-back Copa America tournaments? Um, well, it, yeah, I mean, uh, winning two Copa Americas was just big for us. I mean, um, you're talking about a country that hadn't won anything in over a hundred years. Um, the, the biggest thing we won was a bronze medal um, in 2001, I believe, if I'm, if I'm correct. And that was in the Olympics. That was, that was huge for us. And, you know, winning two Copa Americas is, is not, it's not easy. You know, you got teams like Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, you know, Colombia, and, you know, it just, it was something, the, the first one we won back home, you know, it was, it was big, you know, it was just crazy. I mean, we went through penalties against Argentina and, um, you know, we were pretty much the underdog in our own home. I mean, you're talking about a team that had, uh, you know, one of the greatest players in the, in the world, uh, Messi, you know, um, and we took them to penalties and, and we won a lot of people, you know, might want to say that, you know, penalties, you know, they don't really mean much, but it does take skill to, to score those penalties. And, you know, we, we overcome it. And then uh, back, you know, to, to win Copa Centenario, which was in the state, uh, you know, that, that was big for us two times. And, and we had, you know, uh, they, those guys will go down in history, the, the, the best generation. The football was just uh, crazy, you know. It was just like they, they started with uh, – you know, these guys started very young. They got they started with a guy named uh, Jose Sulantai, which took them to to Canada. Uh, they were with the under twenty, and then uh, they made it to uh, pretty much I believe the semifinals against Argentina, and then they they lost unfairly. You know, there was a lot of drama behind that. Um, and then Marcelo Bielsa came along, which he's with uh, Leeds United right now, I, I believe. Um, and Marcelo took the, the you know. Chile and then just mold them to like you know a, a, a very well oiled machine and um, these guys were just like you know uh, attacking football high pressure and you know Sampaoli took them to pretty much win the, the Copa America at the end in 2015 and, and it was big I mean this is something you, you can't uh, describe it was over 100 years we didn't win anything and went back-to-back winning those those cups was just huge for the country you know very huge what what did those uh, titles do for the country well um it 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 brought a lot of um you know pride you know i mean that that, you know it's just a lot of unity you know um everybody was just like uh just you know all about the national team you know i mean this is the national team that was I, I mean, I hate to say it was just pretty much garbage. You know, we, we qualified like in, in 98, we, we came back when it was in a uh, world cup in France. That was our, you know, we, we made it, uh, you know, pa- past the group stage. Uh, we lost to Brazil, uh, really bad, uh, you know, in the next round. And, you know, before that uh, we were banned, we were banned from the world cup, um, uh, you know, to, to the, um, you know, World Cup qualifiers for Italy. Um, our goalkeeper at the time, his name was Condor, Condor Rojas. Um, you know, they, they plotted to, you know, pretty much, you know, 
stop the game, basically. They were playing in, against Brazil in Maracanã. And then basically the guy, what he did was, um, you know, he had a, um, a razor on his glove. And then some, some sort of pyro went into the, uh, to the field and hit right next to him. And he dropped and he took the, the razor and, and just like, you know, cut himself on the eyebrow. And I remember I was, I was really little. I was young. And I saw the players carrying out this, uh, you know, this guy, our goalkeeper, uh, his jersey was bloody. I'm talking about like blood gushing everywhere. That was pretty much, I was calling my mom and telling, hey, mom, come look. And, you know, my mom's like, oh, turn that off. It was really bad. It was just like a horror uh, scene from a, from a movie, you know. And then at the end, they found out that, you know, this was all bloody. There was a whole bunch of players and then they banned Chile from, from the World Cups, uh, you know for a long time uh, that's one of the reasons why we didn't even try qualifying for the 94 world cup because we were banned and then all this and a lot of things that happened for us to win uh you know two copa americas was was big you know uh one of the also another copa america that we went to um you know we had issues with the players um you know they were all about the ladies you know and uh, we played in venezuela uh in copa america and then the you know a whole bunch of girls were coming down to the hotel and then the players were just, you know, acting, you know, stupid and throwing like ham. They were throwing ham against each other and, and just, you know, talking, you know, sexual to, to the ladies and all that stuff. And that word got out, you know, and, and they banned a couple of players from playing and all this stuff. It was just a mess. And then for us to have players that understood what the, what the kid meant and, and take it seriously. And, and this, this guy's, they were all from a poor neighborhood. They grew up, you know, pretty much playing on the field, like, you know, with, with gunshots, you know, around them. They knew that this is this was the way to get out of the barrio, you know, get out of the, the ghetto and, and make it happen. And, and, you know, for them to, you know, uh, show that for other kids in Chile was, was big. So 2015 almost didn't happen, though. And I want you to explain to us what the feeling was, or at least as a as a – as an individual from the country when Arturo Vidal um, wrecked his Ferrari because he was under the influence, what was the country's feeling about that incident? Um, there, there's a lot of controversy with Arturo Vidal, like big time. There's always like somebody pointing the finger at him. You know, when, when that happened, we thought we were screwed because another coach, uh, would have just uh, made him pretty much, you know, not play. Um, when Arturo Vidal was, uh, you know, not able to, you know, uh, have his head in the game, you know, when he wrecked his Ferrari because he went out and, and was drinking, um, it was a lot of people were alarmed because they felt like, hey, you know what, uh, this is it. He's not going to play. He's one of our, our good players. Uh, and it was a lot of the country was worried, you know, because he's an essential player. I mean, like right now at his age, he's, he's at his peak, you know, he's playing for Barcelona and this guy will eat the field left and right and upside down. And, you know, he's, he, he fights for every ball. He just, you know, he'll put his head into the, you know, the ball and the ground, everything. He's just, he's a monster. So, you know, there was a lot of people worried about that. Um, a lot of, you know, media, the media, like loved it you know they loved the controversy they loved the fact that he wrecked his ferrari you know uh they went after him and little did they know sampaoli 
he still made him play because he knew that he was essential. You know, there's no way that, uh, you know, we could have done anything without, without Arturo Vidal, you know? So, uh, but, you know, people were worried and, and, and Tom Paoli, you know, he said, you know what, he needs to play, you know, and, and he just, you know, took him and, and put him on the squad and kind of like forgave him for that, which another coach would have not done that. So you, you moved to the States, you're, you're now, you know, here in Sacramento. What makes you want to support the Republic? Um, supporting the Republic is just the way that, you know, they came up, they came about and came out, you know, um, it's just the, the fact that the community driven club that they are, you know, I mean, I, I could easily, you know, when I, when I came to the country in 94 and, and MLS started in, in, uh, 96, uh, before that, um, the scary thought for me was that I could have been a San Jose earthquake fan. Um, I remember at the time, you know, I was going with my mom and, uh, cause I lived in Stockton for a little bit and we went to a store and there was a, you know, uh, green, yellow, white Jersey hanging. Um, and then you know, said clash on it. And, and I felt like, you know what, maybe, you know, I should pick it up, you know, and, and I'm here now and, and I definitely should start supporting what's, what's here in, in, in the States, you know, um, you know, give, give back to some of that great stuff that this country has given me, you know, so I felt like this, I want to, I want to support something here, but I, I stopped and I didn't support it. You know, I didn't, I didn't pick up the San Jose Airquist uh, kid and then, you know, I, I was glad that I did that because, you know, when Republic came into my life, um, you know, it was just a different, different ball game for me. Um, and what led me to support uh, Republic was the sense of community, how they were doing things. And, you know, I felt definitely uh, that safe environment. I, I grew up in a tough, tough area, you know, in a club that, you know, is definitely when you go to the stadium, you need to, you know, be careful. They're not you know, trying to grab on your backpack, trying to stick, you know, their hands and try to steal something and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I'm definitely um, happy um, here to support Republic and, and, you know, this is the stuff that they were doing in, in 2014 and, and how, you know, quickly they, uh, they made everybody fall in love with them, you know? Um, and that, that's what led me to uh, love Republic. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's great. I mean, yeah, the Republic is it's just, you know, an amazing team. And, you know, we we talk about it almost in every pod, too, and, and all the things that, that they do, you know, like we said in earlier for the community, too. And, you know, it's just it's an amazing team. And I think I'm with you, too. I think I, I was pretty close to really being a, an Earthquakes fan or even Galaxy because, I, I, you know, I was following all the California teams for a while. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we got a team that was more local because, you know, rooting for, for a team here in the, in the state that's, you know, a little bit more further away from, from you or even, you know, not, not from, like, the same area that you're from because, you know, the, the Bay is real different than where I'm from because I'm from Modesto over here too. So um, Sacramento is, you know, more, more similar to the Central Valley. So, so it, it, just, it was just the perfect team, I think, to, to go for and rather than, you know, the Earthquakes or the Galaxy, fortunately. Um, so, uh, Rebel, we wanted to ask, you know, what, what's your favorite Sacramento Republic memory? Uh, my, my favorite, uh, you know, my sound cliche, but for me, um, it has to be the, the final, you know. I mean, there's uh, Miracle in Bonnefield. That was great, too. I mean, that's, 
you know, is, is on everybody, everybody's mind. But the final, which is, you know, uh, what for me the highlight highlighted everything. Um, the final, you know, was crazy because, you know, I I saw my club down in South America win a championship, you know, and but what I saw that day, I mean, I, I'm talking about I saw people, you know, just just collapsing. I mean, I, I personally I was crying, you know, there was, I was crying on a guy's shoulder after we won the game, you know, and he was trying to console me because we won the championship, you know, it was it was just crazy the mayhem, the the passion from from everybody. And, you know, that, that was just, you know, a, a main memory for me. Another one that I have is the game that um, when it, we were all getting rained on and, and a lot of people left uh, for various reasons. And we were just like, you know, must have been like maybe 20 of the Tower Bridge just chanting. And, and that right there, too, is, is one of the memories that I, I treasure. You know, we were all chanting in the rain. We didn't care. We got cash pneumonia, anything. We were just all right there just you know, giving it, giving it our all and, and chanting for, for the club. Uh, those two are, are my favorite memories of, of Republic. Oh, yeah, definitely. The the championship game, you know, was, was something else, you know? And just, just seeing, you know, the the pitch and seeing, you know, how, how the team just, you know, they, they were already, you know, like motivated from, from the previous semifinal game. So, you know, they, it's like they knew they were going to win it, you know? Just like... Um, one of our recent interviewees to uh, just mention too, like they, they, they knew it, you know, like they, they already knew that everything was, was going good too. And, you know, seeing them lift the trophy and then um, just celebrating was just, was just amazing, you know? And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you, if you caught it too, but do you remember the moment when uh, Jakovic got the um, trophy and then a part of it fell down? I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, when when the trophy, I, I I don't I can't remember if it was Dom or it was uh, I heard various stories that that's still to today is like <laughs> a mystery you know it's yeah. like I heard uh, Gilberto you know had it and 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 Rodrigo you know um, but yeah the, it, it was just like they were all holding it and then um, somebody broke the trophy and then there's a picture of like Warren Smith trying to put it together or a couple of people <laughs> trying to put it together and and Dom holding it too and it it was pretty pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I I remember that. That's that's a good time because you you don't see that like um you know uh who who breaks <laughs> who breaks the trophy and it just happened you know. Yeah, it was, it was it was a funny anecdote too, and you know it's one of those things that happens you know in the final game, and there's always those those like funny and then mysterious stories too. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. So Rebel, we just got a couple questions from um, Elena. Uh, on Twitter, Elena M480. Um, shout out to her. I know she's from the Bandidos, and she wants to know what is something that you always do or go to after a match. Oh, after a match, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that um, sometimes they go down to you know drink more. Um, I usually typically after a match, I just go. I honestly, I just go home. <laughs> I just go home. Uh, you know. <laughs> And I, I hardly watch, rewatch the game, but I, I like to see, like, the pictures of, like, all the fans that are putting up, you know, uh, comments after the game. Um, I'll, I'll be looking at the, the podcast, you know, um, who, who's talking about what, what are everybody's, um, you know, reactions to the game, was it good or bad, um, you know, getting different opinions. I love hearing different opinions from, from different people about the game. 
um, you know, as, as I learned, you know, to, to see that, I, I know that there's a lot of people that know about the game here, and I'm very impressed with that, you know. Um, but I definitely, you know, just go home and, and just, like, you know, relax after the game and after I give it my all, you know, that's my thing. My, my thing is just being in the stands and the supportive culture, you know, uh, cheering for the club, giving it my all. If my vocal cords, you know, are still going, then I feel like I didn't do my job, you know. I have to just, you know, if those guys are breaking their backs on the field, the least I can do is just, you know, give my all to them and, and let them hear me and let them know that, hey, you know what, we're here, this is Tower Bridge, and then they can just, you know, get that feeling and, and help them out. Because a lot of people, sometimes they, they, they say that players might not hear what, what's going on in the, you know, from the stands, but they do hear, you know, they, they feed off that, you know. Um, so we're definitely the energy and, you know, uh, the, the passion is, is from us is what they feel on the field and it helps them go. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just stay home after, after the games, you know, I don't, there's nothing else I, I do just, you know, my, my drink a little bit more at home, but that's just me. I don't, I don't go out to any after, after party, you know? That's so funny, man. I, I, I do the exact same thing that you do. And I, and I tell these guys to, you know, when it's game time, I rarely, I, I, I don't remember the last time I actually sat there and actually watched the game because I'm usually looking down at my drum or trying to keep up with the beats or trying to listen to the song so I, I'm playing the right beat. So it's really hard to really pay attention to the game because I'm more into that supporter atmosphere uh, usually during the match. So I do the same thing you do, and I kind of go over highlights too so I can kind of look at everything that went down. But I do that after I go to the after parties, of course. <laughs> so, um, Rebel, so as you know, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, we've had a lot of um, players come through Sacramento, a lot of really great, you know, talented players, too. So who would you say is your favorite member from the past and then also from the present squad? Um, I think, I think again, this one, this one's going to be cliche, but on, on the main one for, for me, uh, will be, you know, Rodrigo, Rodrigo Lopez. Um, I think he was past the uh, future and, and, you know, and present as well, you know, um, is a player that, um, you know, I definitely, you know, he's, he's a franchise, you know, let's, let's face it. He's, he's going to go down as one of the top, you know, that's, that's my, I, I want this guy to be remembered, um, you know, for, for the rest of Republic history, because he's, he's giving it his all, you know, there's, you know, I always think back to that miracle that Bonnie, you know, those those free kicks that he took. You have to have some cold blood to be able to take those free kicks and, and put that ball into that net like that, you know. Um, he, you know, in that penalty, he took it upon himself and then did that. And it was a, a, obviously a team effort, you know, he didn't do it alone. But Rodrigo is was is and was and will be essential to, to Republic. I hope that when he retires, he retires with us, you know. Um, I hope that, you know, he makes it to MLS. I, I believe that he deserves that, you know, even if he's just, you know, we play him for like 15, 20 minutes, I'm okay with that, you know. Um, and, you know, somebody that, that deserves a lot, you know, he's given a lot to the to the team, and, and he's, he's my favorite uh, Republic player. Another one was uh, Mirko. Uh, I believe you guys had him on the podcast. Uh, Mirko, is, that guy was a beast, too. You know, he didn't, I like that because, you know, he, he will always, you always get kicked out of the game, but 
you know, um, he reminded me of this player uh, down in Chile. His name is Gary Medell, uh, who used to play for Inter and uh, Inter Milan. And he just just didn't care. He, he was just a beast, uh, a pit bull. You know, he would just like, you know, tur- turn you up, you know. Uh, I like that. I like that passion. You know, I like those players that love to argue. I love those players that, that are ready for a fight on the field. I, I mean, that's just me. I, I love that. You know, I love that passion. Uh, those two guys, but uh, Rodrigo is definitely somebody that, um, and there's, there's a, a story that if I can add on about Rodrigo, you know, uh, when we started La Banda, uh, he was, you know, very essential to, to helping out as far as like, you know, uh, when, we wanted to present him with it with an award, you know. Uh, we used to call it the soul of La Banda, uh, you know, la, la Alma de la Banda. And we gave him that award. It was the first year. He had no problem coming in. He came in, very humble guy. He just, you know, was talking to us, had a great time, you know. Uh, we were all chanting for him. We made up a song for him, everything. And, and you know, the they brought the trophy down, the USL trophy. And it was really uh, a good time uh, sharing that moment with that guy. I mean, uh, you know, but Rodrigo definitely is, is my favorite uh, Republic player. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely like you were saying. Like I think he he should go down as a, as a legendary player. I mean, he, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was like one of the first announced players too. Like when the team first started too. So, like he, yeah, I mean, he's he's done so much for the club and. You know, it's 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 cool. It's cool to have him back again. And like you said, you know, hopefully he makes it to MLS and then he retires with us and hopefully he, you know, stays within the team too, you know, maybe as a assistant coach or even just, you know, some other role on the team would, would be cool. Yeah, I'm hoping that he does that. I know that he was at one point, I think it was his first first year or second, um, he was um doing classes with kids around around the area. I hope he when he retires he, he keeps that going. You know, I think he's he's an essential guy. He knows a lot a lot about the game, so yeah, that'd be nice. I, I know he's put out on uh social media, you know, about doing training for kids. So hopefully he, he picks that up and, and continues to to serve the community in that manner after his playing days are done. So Rebel, um we're about to go to MLS. It's, it's two years away. Uh, seems like every day um, is the next day that we're going to be there uh, of sorts. Uh, and that, I get it, you know, we're excited. But along with that excitement, there come some expectations. So what are your expectations of the club as they journey to MLS? I think uh, our first year in MLS is it's not going to be easy. But I'm hoping that with all those, um, you know, clubs that went ahead of us, I mean, we're talking about we waited for a long time to get to this point, to get awarded with the MLS expansion. Um, so, I mean, uh, definitely as a fan, I would say I want to I want to win it all, you know, but I, I want Republic to think bigger than that. You know, I, I don't want them just to settle for MLS. I know the, the um, goal will be, you know, obviously they want to have a good team on the field. Um, get to the playoffs, um, but I, I want them to think internationally. You know, I want you know Republic to eventually and, and MLS to get into uh, Copa Copa Libertadores, which is a South American Cup. You know, that that would be my dream. Um, you know, and I want them to per- participate in that. You know, I want I want Republic to be uh, internationally known. You know, not just 
here, you know, but outside of the of the country. You know, that's my expectations for them the first year. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things need to happen the first year, but I think that we just got to think big and, you know, we're not here to play around. Um, you know, we don't want to be like, you know, Minnesota United or any of those guys that are just sitting at the bottom. We, we need to go out with a, with a bank, you know. Uh, we got good, uh, you know, clubs around us and our on our conference, you know, San Jose, they're, they're putting together a good team. I mean, Matias Almeida, he, he knows his football. This is a matter of time before those guys start peaking, you know. Uh, LAFC, you know, they're, they're going to be main, our main rivals. And, you know, they're, those guys are, you know, they got good football, you know. Um, and, and I think that they're going to keep that going uh, when we arrive in MLS. So we need to be prepared. And I hope that, you know, all this time given, uh, we've done our homework. I think with our new coach, too, um, I, I feel like uh, he was in MLS. I, I feel like um, he's going to be able to help us. Uh, they brought him in for a reason. Um, I have faith in this guy, you know, um, and definitely, you know, want to shoot for for big. You know, uh, I would say I want to I want to win it all. You know, I want to I want to win big. Yeah, man, I I feel you, man. So, Rebel, how have you managed not to go crazy without soccer or any sports for that matter? Um, you know, you know, I mean. Uh, football, you know, it's, it's my main main thing, you know. Um, I've been looking at a lot of uh, old YouTube videos, you know, uh, a lot of uh, um, games back home in, in South America, you know. I watched the final of the Copa Libertadores, uh, that's the South American Cup from my club back home in, in 91. I watched the whole thing. Um, I was really young. I remember, I didn't get to go to the final, but I remember that day, like, it was yesterday, me jumping on my couch like crazy, like a lunatic um, that we won that that championship there. Um, so I've been watching old games. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, Luis and, and Danny. I also watched uh, Chile versus Mexico, the 7-0. Don't you that. dare. Oh, my God. Wow. I said this guy's one of my best friends now. Man. I don't think he's going to mention that. Rebel, they were so man. supportive of you. <laughs> They were so supportive of you until this point. I know. I, like I think I just, you know, um, I watched that, you know, and I was going to be like, I'm a live tweeted, you know, but I knew I was going to have everybody coming after me, you know, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I watched that. It's, it's amazing. You know, I mean, it was crazy that, that game. I mean, like I, I didn't, I, I wasn't expecting it because, you know, I have a lot of Mexican friends and, you know, they were heading me up that day. and, and Not anymore. I know. So, now, now I have so, nobody, so, so, you know. so um, the funny thing about that game, um, Rebel, if you talk to Pedro, um, have you guys ever seen um, – uh, John, you probably haven't seen the games in Spanish and the Spanish networks, but, but a lot of the times during That's these – That's all like, I used to get. That's all well, I used during to these have em- growing up. <laughs> during these important games, um, you get to see – you like the experience of a certain fan and they do like this little documentary thing of a fan. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like they go like the, like Univision or Telemundo or somebody, they follow the fan around and they do like this whole story on the fan and how they got there and everything like that. During that yes, game, during that, that game, the, the fan that they followed on Univision, I believe it was Univision was Pedro mm-hmm. was Pedro dude. So he did, like, I got to send you guys the videos, this entire documentary of Pedro, um, 
they, he, he, all the way from when he drove all the way to that stadium um, and how he surprised uh, his son with tickets and everything like that. He was like the captain of the PVA and everything like that. Or, well, I think he was, it was the first time he ever met the PVA or something like that, but they did like this whole story on Pedro and that was the game he went to. So I find that pretty funny story on that game. I'm still, I'm still waiting for somebody to come and watch it with me. I know we're like, you know, got to keep the distance, but hopefully maybe, you know, I don't know if uh, Danny wants to catch up on that game with me. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Ass. That's something I try to forget. Okay. That's a hard, that's a hard no. <laughs> and, and I blame, I, and I know you're a, you're an America fan and I blame your goalie for that game. Oh yeah. Same here. Oh. I blame him. You know, it's it's crazy. Like you know that that whole game, we know he he got a lot of heat for that game too, Ochoa, and you know I don't know, like everything just yes, he it, should. Was, it was weird. Yeah, I mean it was all weird. Like you know, like I said, I wasn't honestly. You know, if you guys ask me, like, hey, do you expect that seven zero? No, I mean it's always Mexico and Chile always being like you know uh, Mexico has had good matches in um, the South American Cup, Copa America. You know they've been like number. Uh, three uh, gone to the finals a couple of times. Um, they had in '98. They had uh, you know Matador uh, Hernandez, uh, Jorge Campos. You know a good. You know that 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 squad was really scary. You know, um, and they always done good in the uh, Copa Copa Americas. And and I was really surprised when you know being you know here in the states uh, that they didn't go and they didn't they didn't beat us. But like, we came out like just crazy. Like everything was working out for us. Like big time, uh, I'm glad it did though because we won. You know, we won our second cup. So, you know, shout out to my my friends from Mexico. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Tell me how that one works out for you later, buddy. Made 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 two on this show, mad. They're they're crying in the corner. They're muting their mics for it. <laughs> no, I'm just not gonna comment. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep my cool here. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and it was crazy, you know, like at that game, you know, like I, I went and then I went to the, you know, we we're playing a friendly to a Levi's stadium and, you know, there was like, it was, the tension was really high. There was people like, there was some people left crying, you know what I mean? Like they, some people left early and, mm-hmm. and they were all upset because I mean, come on, the prices are outrageous. You now people are spending mm-hmm. money on this stuff. And then to see, you know, like at the end, people were doing the OLEDs against uh, Mexico and it, it it got really crazy, you know. Uh, there was nothing violent or nothing, you know. Everybody, you know, was very friendly. Um, but there was just, uh, you know, the tension, you know, after that game is just not, you know, and and you know, to this day, it's always remembered. But um, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I, I honestly, Chile plays Mexico in in a in a, in a big cup like that. Um, I don't think it'll ever happen again. Honestly, I, I'll say that right now. Yeah, I don't. Typ- I don't typical, typical America fan, always living in the past. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, that game oh, I think man. was like, I, I think after honestly after the like third goal, it started to be like a joke to me too. I was like, man, like it was just like the goals just kept coming in, and it was like, it, I mean, it was just a, a big joke after the. The third goal came in, and then I mean, I, I think uh, I'm with Danny. What made me feel better was that it wasn't Corona and the goalkeeping. So I was like, okay, well, Ochoa is going to be, you know, that goalkeeper that gets gets known as, you know, being a part of that one game. So I got to flip it on you guys. I have to ask you, Danny and and Luis. You know, since you guys are Cruz Azul fans, and you know, being me and me being in South, uh, from South America and all that, I remember this game 
big time. Uh, 2001, uh, Boca Juniors versus Cruz Azul, Copa Libertadores. Oh, like, yeah. Um, how did that affect you guys as far as, like, you know, I mean, this is, like, you know, Boca Juniors had a, a big squad, but, you know, Cruz, Cruz Azul wasn't falling behind. They went to penalties at La Bombonera in, mm -hmm. in the biggest stadium in Argentina at the biggest stage, you know, and, and draw. Uh, you know, I got to mention, uh, at the time there, uh, there was a player uh, and and he, he was from Chile, Hugo Droguet. He missed the penalty mm -hmm. at, that, at the time, which, you know, sorry, guys, but... Um, but what, what, you know, what, what do you think from that? Like, what was that, you know, like, you know? I mean, it was, I, rem I remember, I mean, I, I wasn't able to watch it because I didn't have like cable at the time, but I remember uh, listening to it on the radio with my dad. And, you know, it's, you know, when you listen to penalty kicks on the radio, it's, man, it's so like nerve cracking. Like, you're like, okay, what's going on? Did, did we score? Did we not score? And yeah, I mean, it was, it, it wasn't as bad, I think, as like other finals we've played. Like, I didn't personally, like, take it as bad. Um, and I think a part of that was that, you know, we, we beat Boca and La Bombonera, too. Like, it, it, that was a 1-0, like, win that we had actually, you know, beaten them. And, you know, being La Bombonera is such a huge stadium where, you know, it's really difficult to even get a tie. Like, I think that, that to me, was, like a, a really, like, a really good thing for the team, too. And then I think if we look back at, like, the the semifinals in that tournament too. And then the, I mean, you can keep going back semifinals, quarterfinals, but like we beat two strong Argentinian teams like uh, Rosario Central and, and River Plate. I mean, beating River Plate, I remember, um, was a huge thing too. So, you know, our, our team definitely had like a really good Copa Libertadores in that tournament. And, you know, after that time, I remember for, for the longest time, you know, we would always say like, we we were the only Mexican team to make it to the final, and that was that was a big thing. And then of course, you know, later on, Chivas, you know, out of just pure luck, made it to the final, and then and then Tigres made it to the final too. But I think out of all the teams, out of you know us three teams that from Mexico that have actually made it to that final, like we were the ones that were I think the closest to to getting that trophy, and we were the ones that really gave um, Boca Juniors game, and we had a really good team too at the time. So yeah, what what about you, Danny? Yeah, I mean, back then I was like, I think like 11 years old. And and every time I watch a Cruz Azul game with my dad is like the best thing in the world for me. Like that is like, mm -hmm. I will, I will, I will stop everything. I will cancel any plan just to go watch a Cruz Azul game with my dad. Because this is like what I, like my favorite thing to do in the world. So I remember just being excited and, you know, uh, you get you get kind of used to it. You get kind of used to talking crap, but like you said, Luis, I feel like uh, I think Cruz Azul had like the the hardest time to get to that point, and they were the most successful, in my opinion. Um, you know, and you get let down, and we've we've gotten let down, unfortunately, oh, yeah. for a very long time. But I think uh, the team is getting back to that level that we want to see them at, and I'm excited, and I just keep looking forward. I don't look in the past, like other people <laughs> <laughs> so i'm um, rebel um you know the, the we're in this quarantine right now too and you know we we're all hopeful that as we said you know earlier we hope that this is over with and that we can get back to our regular lives and you know get to enjoy soccer because you know we we want to create more memories here especially with the republic but what do you see yourself doing you know once this quarantine stuff is past us 
the first thing I see myself going as soon as that, you know, schedule heads for the game or going to Republic game. That's that's just a, a must, you know. Uh, and also, you know, thanking uh, God to that, you know, we got through this, you know, um, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, uh, it's just tough times right now, you know, and it makes you realize a lot of things, you know, as, as well, you know, um, but the first thing will just be going to a public game, man, I, I need that, you know, it's like, it's crazy, it's, it's my vice, my passion, you know, I, I need, I need to see everybody, you know, I need to see the players, I need to see that grass. Uh, you know, I, I need to see my family, Tower Bridge, Vitali, and Lavanda, Los Unicos, uh, you know, friends for podcasts, everybody, you know, I, I, I need to see that, you know, I, I need that. Um, so it's going to be the first first thing in my mind, first thing that I want to do is just, um, you know, go to a public game. I just, it just needs to happen. You know, I don't care, you know, if, if I have to work that day, the schedule on the day at work, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's going to happen. I, I got to be there. Yeah. Yeah, man, I feel it. And especially because you weren't able to make it to that first game. That was upsetting to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I went out, you know, I went out to Vegas uh, that that day, you know, we just pulled that, you know, yeah, I know I wanted to. And it was like the only game that we had, you know, and, and you know, it's definitely I, I missed that on a, on, a, on a good, good time. You know, I honestly thought that, um, you know, looking back, definitely Republic game was better than being in Vegas, that for sure, you know. I, I mean, Vegas is cool, but, you know, I'm, I'm over the whole, like, partying scene and stuff like that. I mean, I definitely, where I belong is, is in the stands, in the stadium. You know, I could, if I could just camp out there, stay there, and live there, uh, I would do that, you know. That's just my thing. That's, that's my thing. So, outside of the Americas um, and the Republic, what other team in the world do you find yourself supporting? Um, that has to be, you know, my, my club. Uh, Colo Colo, uh, which is uh, the biggest, best club in Chile, hands down. Um, they're, they're the club that I grew up with. Um, it's always been a hate-love relationship with them. I mean, um, but, you know, um, I grew up in a time where, you know, there was no social media like, like you know, most of us, you know. Um, there was definitely, I, I didn't get, um, you know, there was the, the idols that we had weren't like Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. It was just people from our local clubs, you know. Um, we never saw, um, you know, kids wearing a Barcelona shirts or uh, Manchester United, Arsenal or anything like that. It was just club, you know, the clubs that we loved, the, the clubs that we were born with. Um, the idols were people from, from our club. So, I mean, Definitely, Colo uh, Colo is, is, is uh, you know, my my love, my my first love. I love to call it, you know, um, and that's that's the club that that I follow. Uh, there's no other other clubs um, that I follow, you know, besides obviously Republic. But those those two are are the clubs that I follow. I knew you were gonna say that. I could have answered that myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Rebel, uh, kind of a fun question that we like to ask everybody we have on. Um, if you owned a team with unlimited transfer budget, what four players from any era would you build your team with? Four four players from any era. Um, I have to say the ones that I grew up with. You know, I mean, I always hear these stories about uh, other players before before my time. You know, um, but I got to say the ones that I witnessed uh, will be. Uh, I want to go all attack. You know, that's 
my my main focus will be you know forwards and a and a midfielder. I say midfielder uh, will be um, Valderrama, El Pibe from Colombia. The guy oh, was yeah. just crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean like love me some Carlos move. Valderrama. He didn't have to move to yeah. touch the ball. Like the ball came to no. him. He placed it wherever <laughs> he wanted. That was it. I I just never seen anything like it. Like he was just like you know here there you know it's just like he didn't even like run. Like uh, how could he have somebody that doesn't run? You know it's just crazy. Like just here take it you know and. And he just had that attitude, you know. I heard some of his interviews, you know, and it's just, it's crazy, you know. He went through a lot of stuff too, you know, with uh, everything that was going down in Colombia and all that. Uh, but him, you know, he was just, you know, uh, a great uh, midfielder and definitely. And then um, I would say, you know, from from my country, uh, Ivan Samorano, who is now uh, working for Univision. I seen him a couple of times there. Uh, Ivan Samorano. Uh, he was uh, pretty much a, you know, crazy forward. Um, the way that he would head the ball, uh, jump in the air, like just like Michael Jordan, basically. The guy would jump so high, and and it's hard to get uh, people to head the ball in like like he did, uh, especially in Chile because all of our guys are really short. You know, um, you know, I'm five eleven, so I I got you know I got a little bit of like my my background. You know, there's a lot. Of, uh, if my ancestors were German, you know. So there's a lot of Germans that migrated to Chile, and and I, I'm a very tall guy. I'm five eleven, but in Chile most of us are are very short, so we always get the short soccer players. But Ivan Samorano would just would just jump in the air and just head the ball in, and um, it's crazy. I would have to say him. Another one uh, will be uh, Gabriel Batistuta from Argentina, um, also a forward. Uh, that guy also was just you know a crazy guy with the ball and. Um, you know, very well known in in uh, Argentina. He played in Europe as well. And then the last one, I don't know if you guys will even know who this is, but I'll throw him out there. Uh, his name is uh, Marcelo Bartichotto, who played for Colo Colo. Uh, he had a little bit of a thing in Club America. And um, but him, and those will be my top four guys um, that for many era, um, you know, um, that I would stick with. Those are the main guys that um, I would have on my team. I like Carlos Alderama. I think that's your that's your staple right there. And that that guy that guy was was uh, pure purely gifted in anything he did when he touched the ball. And I'm surprised with the uh, Batistuta uh, selection, seeing that you're from Chile. So having having an Argentinian on your roster, uh, I don't know how that's going to work out, but. We'll see. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny enough because, you know, you mentioned that, uh, John, and, and yeah, it's always and, – and uh, it's, it's very – I'm very happy to see that you, you recognize that whole, like, you know, rivalry between us and Argentinians, and it's always been there, you know. And, and when we won those two Cubs, like, going back to what we were talking about, it was huge because, you know, finally we had something, you know, some, some fire to, to bring back at them, you know I mean? They they got they got numerous cups you know they want a lot of cups and their their clubs in South America they're you know they bring a lot of Copa Libertadores and for us to win those cups it was just kind of like rubbing in their faces like hey you know we beat you guys with the best player on the field in the world you know they didn't do nothing you know Messi was just like done and then he I mean after the game he he mentioned he wanted to retire you know from the Argentinian uh, team That's right. you know we we almost. Yeah, we almost made him retire, and it was just, you know, we had everything. And um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, there's a love and hate relationship with them. You know, I mean, a lot of their players, a lot of their coaches are down in, in Chile, you know, we have a lot of Argentina players, a lot of Argentina players become Chileans and, and, you know, uh, and it's just, you know, one of those things that is just a love and hate relationship with them. Um, I, I think now our, our biggest, you know, rival, if uh, you were to ask me, will be uh, Peru uh, in, in South America. I think that's, that's they just qualify for the, you know, when they qualify for the World Cup, you know, um, and there's, there's a little, you know, there's a rivalry. There's a lot of history, a lot of politics um, behind that rivalry. Uh, but Argentina, I think we we earned a lot of respect after we won those two cups. Those guys, they know they want us again in a in the final. They want to play us in the final and beat us. Uh, that's how bad you know. Uh, uh, they didn't, you know that that uh, whole uh, the last Copa America when we play for third and, and fourth place that that just didn't uh, do it for them. You know they they want us in the final and uh, hopefully you know. Maybe in another hundred years, we'll get another final. <laughs> well, what people don't understand, and, and, I, and I want to make this clear for, for people to, to envision, is we always hear about rivalries within the European you know, idea and the focus within Champions League and clubs and, and countries. But what people don't understand is that in South, South America, the passion for the game is, is far deeper than a lot of the European football. And they're so close in distance yet they're so far in certain aspects of, of the game that there's a very large rivalry. Every country wants to beat every country. And, and yes, I get it. They, they want that in Europe, but it's different in South America. There's, there's a passion amongst the, the supporters, the fans, the clubs. And at the end of the day, the true colors come out and it is, a little more ruthless, I think, in South America than, than you would see in Europe, but you don't hear about it as often because of the publicity that Europe gets compared to other countries. Yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, with, uh, you know, I'm not very, um, I don't know much about the EPL and all that stuff. I know that a lot of people here, like, you know, they, they love the EPL, you know, and, um, you know, for, for the, the, the passion, you know, the, the, the rivalry, I think, um, you know, uh, there's there's a, two differences, you know, like there's there's a, the violence that um, transpire into these rivalries, like in England, you know, I think back in the 80s, you know, they had a whole bunch of hooligans, you know, they would just fight fight to the death, you know, I think that started started dying down at, at the end, that still happens, you know, um, South America, you know, it's just, it's crazy, there's hate, like big time hate, and, and it's, it's bad, you know, to, to grow up with that. Um, but that's pretty much all you know. I remember, like, um, as, you know, when I was here, um, you know, that, that rivalry actually from South America came over here. I remember going down to, you know, we're, uh, you know, uh, watching games for the World Cup qualifiers in 98. Um, you know, we didn't get them on cable or nothing like that. We had to go to, um, you know, uh, a bar down there. And we went all the way to San Francisco. We are living in Stockton. I remember um, going down there and watching it at, at a bar with my uncles, you know, um, and pretty much, um, you know, in the back of us, I was really young. So they they were allowed kids, of course, there. And in the back, there was um, some Peruvians and there's some stuff going back and forth between uh, us Chileans and, and Peruvians and it started getting a fight in the back and it was chairs flying everything. It was just mayhem. 
Um, and I remember my uncle just grabbing us and, and taking us to a van and, and pretty much like, you know, it's just, it was a, a deep hatred, you know, um, and it's unfortunate, you know, because, you know, it, it just leads up to that and, and uh, there's, you know, poison and, and all that, bad vibes, but they're definitely different uh, culture, different um, how, how to live it. Um, and like you said, you know, um, over here, it's just definitely, there's more exposure to uh, English Premier League and, I mean, they, they cleaned up a lot of that stuff, a lot of the, the hooligans and all that um, down in England. Um, but South America is just a, a different monster. I mean, I know you guys probably heard about uh, what happened in the Copa Libertadores, um, you know, final between River and Boca when the windows of the bus got smashed and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And it was all over the news. It was just, you know, mayhem. Um, and then they went to a guy's house and he had a whole bunch of tickets and, and drugs. And he, he was the one that was calling the shots to have that, you know, one guy, just one guy making it, you know, he was pretty much in charge of the whole thing. Um, and he, he was up to him. He made that game get stopped. Basically, he said, you know, guys, you guys, you know, go smash the windows out of the Boga Juniors bus. They did that. And the game was, was stopped. That's the power of, of La Barra's down in, uh, in uh, South America, you know, they just they whatever they want, they just make it make it stop, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's just a different monster. Yeah, yeah, no, that was uh, that was a crazy final, definitely too. I mean, especially you know, being that they played it in Real Madrid Stadium of all things, you know, like who who would have imagined a Copa Libertadores final played in Europe too? So yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely crazy. I mean, that was it, it was it was pretty like um, embarrassing, you know, because. You know, Europe, you know, Spain seem, uh, is always, you know, seen as uh, conquistadores, you know, and, and for us, you know, I mean, as we're talking about a couple that's being celebrated by people that, you know, give us the liberty, you know, and from, from that. And then we went ahead and went, you know, to Spain, Europe to play that cup, you know, it didn't have the same feeling, you know, and, and but nothing, nothing happened. I mean, that's one of the things that's going back to what we were talking about, the differences between support, you know, I mean, like there's a lot of people that are getting tired of that now. They, they love the atmosphere, the, the folklore that comes, you know, on the background of, of South American, you know, support of fireworks and all the confetti. But a lot of people are getting tired of that because of things that are happening with, you know, games being suspended and all that stuff. And it's always something that's going on. And I think, you know, uh, having this game in Spain, um, an important game, um, you know, kind of, you know, made everybody realize that this is just, you know, it's not getting any better. It's just uh, still the same thing over and over again. So, um, Rebel, so this is the first time that um, we're going to ask this question too, but, you know, being that you're, you've been, you know, in the Sacramento area for a while too, you know, we thought we would ask you, but. Um, do you think the Republic will be bigger than the Sacramento Kings once they join MLS? Um, I think that as football starts growing and keeps growing, you know, I mean, like, I mean, from what I, when I came, I keep, I keep stating that when I came here to say because it, it wasn't taken off as it is, like how it is now. I mean, we got multiple leagues, multiple clubs, um, between the Sacramento Kings and, and Republic, I 100% believe that, um, you know, with all due respect to the Kings and, and the people that, that support the Kings, and because you also have Kings fans that come to the Republic games, you know, and, and some of them are protective of the Kings. You know, they're, they're, that's their love. That's their first love. Kings first, Republic second to, to some of them. 
you know. But I, I truly believe that uh, Republic is going to be the number one uh, sports team in Sacramento, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, as we gain more sportsers, you know, um, you're going to have this, uh, this stadium, you know, um, and, and that's what I'm hoping for Republic, you know, to host some, you know, uh, European clubs there, you know, some, some South American clubs, um, some international games, you know, us playing, you know, again, against uh, the best clubs out there. Um, you know, I mean, with, you know, again, do all respect to, to basketball and, and, and what they do, you know, but it's, it's not the same, you know, you can't, you can only play, you know, uh, the Timberwolves and all that stuff for, for quite, you know, for, for that's it. But, you know, as the championships start coming in, as people start knowing more about Republic, it's just, it's going to take off and it's just going to, you know, uh, pass the, the Sacramento Kings. And it's always good that, you know, people support the Kings because you also have to have that, you know, the more sports in, in Sacramento, the, the better, you know. Um, and, and I learned that, you know, I learned that. I, I remember when the, there was people that wanted to bring Kings banners uh, to, to the Sacramento games, you know, and I felt like, well, what are you doing? This is a public game, you know, why are you bringing Kings banners, you know? But, you know, that's, that's what they wanted to do. That's they were, they're representing the city, you know, the, the city. So um, I learned that there's a lot of sports here and, and we got to, you know, be mindful and, and respect every sport. Um, but again, you know, the Republic's going to be the, the one that's going to overtake everything here in, in Sacramento. I mean, growing up here, the, the one thing I'll say is, you know, Sacramento, the Kings have always had a good draw um, for attendance. They've always been able to get fans. The fans have always been able to rally against them. Look at uh, Here to Stay, right? That that campaign in and of itself spoke volumes of the community that supported that team. Even when the team is at its low and high, it still had good support. But with that being said, the pressure is on the United States, Mexico, and Canada to really put out a good product and have a good showing for the 2026 World Cup. I think if the World Cup is done the right way between those three and Sacramento has a, has a uh, good contingency of, of supporters for you know, the, the national teams that they support, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Republic moved into MLS with that World Cup behind them. I could see the Republic being bigger than the Sacramento Kings. Man, I hope yeah. so. That'd be that'd be crazy. Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta um, highlight that what you were saying, John, too, about the Kings because it's true that you know I mean uh, Kings um, have always have a rough time from what I can hear and see. You know, I would see fans talking and and putting on Twitter. Uh, pretty much upset about the team, but they're always stuck around um, for, for that team, for the Sacramento Kings. And uh, whether we're having that whole issue with uh, the Kings almost moving uh, to Seattle and all that stuff, they, they came together, um, you know, and, and they made things happen. They put out a voice, um, but definitely it's, it's definitely something that, um, you know, is an my role and, and um, happy to see. And I, I believe that, you know, uh, the Kings got a good thing going, and and eventually, though, um, Republic will will you know be the number one um, club in uh, in Sacramento. Absolutely. So, Rebel, um, this question is from the SRFC podcast, um, and they want to know since away supporters are always very important and vital to the boys on the field, 
he knows that sometimes it could be difficult to travel with the team. And they would like to know how do supporters fund their away game trips? Uh, the, the away uh, trips um, is just pretty much, um, you know, sometimes there'll be buses, you know, if it's close by, um, we'll put out something that, hey, you know, um, buy the tickets and the, and the bus seats, you know. Um, there are a lot of them just come with their own pocket, basically. You know, if they're flying out, it's just something that you have to pay for your, for your own way. Um, the, the, the supportive groups don't get any help from the front office. They don't pay for traveling expenses. It's all the, the supporters, you know. Uh, the main, the main money goes to, you know, like when there's membership money, it goes to maintaining the drums, you know, getting some, you know, the, the, the confetti that comes along with it. Um, there's always beer that's being bought for the, um, for the tailgates, you know, stuff like that. But as far as like traveling expenses, it all comes down to each, um, you know, member of that supporter group, you know, like, like Danny was saying, you know, it's, it's like, you know, when they, uh, when they first traveled down here to Sacramento, they got a bus. I mean, sorry, they rented a van and they got a couple people there and, and everybody's pitching in, stuff like that. You know, it's just kind of, you know, you're putting money towards uh, the traveling uh, expenses. You know, um, there's a lot of people that help each other out and, hey, you know, there's some good ticket deals for, for airplanes. Uh, this, this hotel is, you know, there's a lot of people that are pretty good about that. Um, but if it's, uh, you know, a, a trip to San Jose or something like that, um, the group will put it out and see who's interested and, and how many uh, seats we can fill out. Um, every time the club has, I mean, every time the supporters have gone to San Jose, they, they shown up in numbers. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much on, on your own on that end. Yeah, pretty much. You just got to have that passion for your team. If you see uh, an away supporter um, out of state where it would have to be a flight, um, unfortunately, yeah, we don't we don't get any any type of monetary support from the club or from the front office. So it's all based on who wants to go and who has that passion to go support their club wherever they go. So Rebel, we I, I, we got to ask. It's the it's the hot topic right now on social media. Hashtag Tiger King. Um, who do you ha- who do you whose back are you going to have in a in a fist fight? Um, or a murder for that case, murder for hire. You gonna you gonna take Joe Exotic side or uh, Carol Baskin? <laughs> you, you know, um, I started watching the the show like just uh, the beginning of it, you know. And you know, I've been looking at comments about this whole thing. Um, I and honestly, I haven't you know been deep on the show as of right now. But I gotta have a, a the guy who has a mullet, his back, you know, the guy with the mullet. That's that's my guy. Um, oh, exotic. Uh, All right. So so yeah. solely based on hairdo. <laughs> yes, that's all I'm basing it. You know, because I honestly, some of my pictures they come out with hats. You know, I'm I'm bald. You know, I I cut my hair really short. So I wish I had that mullet. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna stick with my boy. Um. So yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, Rebel. Um, how can people get in touch with you to or you know, to find out more about what you got going on and you know game updates and all that. Hey, so yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much Instagram, uh, Rebel, Cacique. Cacique is for my club, Colo Colo. So it's going to be Rebel and then uh, C-A-K-I-K-E for Instagram and and Twitter. You know, I'm always always there 
um, you know, tweeting away some stuff, uh, some opinions, you know, connecting with a lot of fans uh, from the Republic and uh, other um, areas as well. So, I mean, that's my thing is Twitter basically most and, uh, you know, I'm always on there. Uh, but that's how they can uh, connect with me. I don't have I don't have Facebook um, or their, uh, you know, I don't have uh, TikTok or, or or Snapchat or anything like that. It's just uh, the Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, he definitely has a very fun Twitter account. He posts lyrics and videos and uh, we talk about movies. It's all good. Everything's good. On oh, his, yeah. On man. Usually when I'm usually when I'm like with the uh, lyrics, I'm either drunk but <laughs> But, you know, it's always good. To, you know, it's just definitely a space where you can, you know, uh, be yourself and, and connect with other people. I, I definitely love it. I, I love Twitter. I mean, besides, you know, the, the drama here and there, but it's always, you know, fun, a fun app to, to have. Yeah, sounds good, man. So, uh, Rebel, we want to thank you so much, man, uh, for taking the time to join us today. We really appreciate you know, the time you, you gave us and hope to speak with you again soon once we have some football to discuss. Oh no, definitely. I I want to thank you guys for for taking the the time to uh, hear me out and and give me the spaces to talk about um, various topics. La Banda de Puente, support group life, you know, um, going back to Copa Americas, all that stuff, all that South American love, all everything that has been going on uh, in the world right now. Uh, so definitely thank you guys, and and I want to give you guys a, a big shout out for for having this podcast. It's definitely like I said. Um, having people that know the club that live this and um, you know because you can have multiple people from different medias um, but nobody knows the club like we do and you guys are doing the right thing and uh, hopefully you know this continues for for a long time past MLS and all that stuff and then it just keeps getting better so definitely well thank you man we really appreciate your uh, support and we hope to have you on uh, more often man yeah, thank you, Rebel. Uh, you have yourself a, a, a great rest of your night, Rebel, and thank you again, man. Oh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Today's guest was brought to you by the Mikuni Dreamline. Mikuni is actually offering 15% off your order and has now made it easy to order with the Mikuni app. Please make sure to pre-order, stay in your car when you arrive, and they will deliver your meal to you in your car. Visit them today at MikuniSushi.com or download their app, available in the App Store and Google Play Store. So some news from around the soccer world um, that's come out recently. And w- when you hear this, you've probably already heard it a hundred times. Uh, UEFA president Alexander Cheferin delivered a stark warning that the season could be lost if football does not resume by the end of June and that the summer transfer window may go into December if it doesn't. Luis, what do you think about having a transfer window as deep as December with clubs in Europe playing and not knowing who may, may end up on their roster come January. I mean, it's, it's going to be a crazy situation too, because you know what we've talked about it before like players are going to have their contracts expire. And so I think there's going to be a lot of uncertainty because, you know, some players 
they're going to have their contracts expire, but then, you know, transfer window, if it goes all the way to December, it's going to be one of those things where like, what do they do now? Like, are they forced into renewing? Um, I mean, if I had to guess, you know, what might happen, and this is something I've been thinking might be what might happen, but it's really going to take the, it's going to take the team's, you know, willingness to do so. And of course the players will, but I feel like they're probably going to extend a lot of contracts based, you know, on the time lost. So if we, you know, we're without um, football soccer for like two, three months, then whenever, you know, that player's contract expired, then they might, you know, just push it out two or three months out. Um, But of course, you know, it's going to take a lot from particularly, I think maybe the team, especially if the transfer window gets pushed out and their willingness to, you know, be able to still pay that salary that was a part of the contract. So that's, that's kind of what I think might end up happening. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, is, is what, how do you figure out it? Maybe clubs don't transfer. Maybe clubs hold on to players that they were going to sell because of this. You know, there's a lot of, lot of players in limbo as a result of this. So it'd be interesting to see. One of the other things I found interesting this week was the EPL has isol- is discussing isolated camps for hosting the remaining games. There's 92 games remaining. So they've talked about having a World Cup-style camp behind closed doors where all 92 matches are televised every day over the summer months. Thoughts on that? I mean, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, like if this is the solution for the EPL to actually finish their season, then I don't think it's a bad idea because, you know, you're probably going to be, I'm sure, I mean, they, they would isolate the players. They would go to to a spot where like they they can make sure that the players aren't you know being too exposed to everything that's going on and it it could mean the season actually ending earlier than later if you know they have to keep pushing it away so that that might be a solution i mean at this point i think it's kind of hard to to figure out what could be done to make sure that you know the season doesn't like go too far into the year or towards the end of the year so I mean, the, this might be this might be the solution that they were looking for. So, shout out to our official unofficial sponsor, New Glory Beer. Our friends are now selling kegs for their shelter in place special, out of their locations for a hundred dollar deposit. Order one of three choices in Citra Dream, Breakfast Hustle, or Do You Even Mosaic Bro? And don't forget that they will deliver to your door in California. Not the kegs quite yet, though, I hear. Check them out today at newglorybeer.com. So, John, we got some uh, local news in Sacramento as well, right? Yeah, so um, with springtime upon us, it is uh, local youth clubs have begun registration for the upcoming 2020 calendar year of soccer here in the region. This is the perfect time to get kids into a club, get them interested in the game that we all love, and get them in the backyard and start prepping for the new season. Check your local club, your local area for clubs who have started their online application process today, or send us a message and we'll direct you to the appropriate club. So if everyone wants to follow us on social media, um, we can be located on uh, pretty much all the main social media platforms out there. We are on Twitter at SacTownFC. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, John, but we actually just, uh, Today actually reached uh, 200 followers on Twitter. 
So, I, have not, um, I have not. I have not been on Twitter quite as often today as I normally am. Oh, oh. You, you, you guys um, hear us in previous episodes. You, you guys know John lives on Twitter, so that's it's kind of shocking statement to hear. But <laughs> if uh, you guys want to follow us, we're we're on there. Um, we're also on Instagram at Sacktown FC, and we also have a Facebook page, um, which is called uh, Sacktown FC Podcast. And we actually also have a Facebook group. Uh, more and more people are joining by the day. And it's called uh, Sac Republic Fans. Uh, we invite you guys to come over and join our group. Um, come talk about all things soccer related and just, you know, really anything going on in the community. Is there something you want to share with everyone that's going on in the community? Like, come on down and, you know, be a part of our group and go ahead and share it with everyone. Um, we also have a YouTube page called Sacktown FC. We are on our goal of reaching 100 subscribers. So we'd really appreciate if you, you know, gave us a subscribe to our channel. And, you know, we really want to get to 100 subscribers, not because, you know, we just want to see like a triple digit number on our subscriber count necessarily. Is that this cool and all? But um, YouTube um, told us that we actually need 100 subscribers in order to be able to do YouTube lives. And, it's our goal here on the pod to be able to do some lives once the season comes back on YouTube to, you know, make it more convenient. And we've heard that from a lot of people that it's, it's much better to do um, lives on YouTube. So, you know, please help us out with that. So when the uh, season comes back, we're able to, to do some YouTube lives there. Uh, and then we recently also um, announced our new website in uh, com. Feel free to come down, you know, check it out. Um, we put all of our episodes on there. So if you don't like to download any apps on your phone and you'd prefer to just listen to it on our website, then, you know, you can actually listen to them on our website as well. And we also have a, a section where we talk about how this podcast started. And, you know, we also talk about each of us, you know, that are part of this podcast, you know, me, John and Danny. So, you know, go check it out and learn a little bit more about us and who we are. And so, yeah. And John, I think you had an announcement you wanted to make as well. Yeah, we also have a have a perk of the program as well. We call it the squadron. And we are looking at uh, giving and providing different things for our supporters or the squadron, as we will call them. Each little package has... Uh, an opportunity to get more and more. Um, every person who's able to support us, you'll be part of our Slack channel that we will that we have created that gets people kind of content and and an idea to talk to us and interact a little bit more outside of social media. So you have uh, what's going on. You can talk to us about maybe food spot. You can connect with other people who listen to the podcast as well. It's a great opportunity to put yourself out there a little bit and be a part of the program. As we grow, we hope to grow with you as well. So please check us out on our website, sacktownfc.com. Um, you can go into the functions or the tabs and it will take you right to join the squadron. So please take a minute to take a look at that when you get a chance. Yeah, check it out. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's a really great thing to be a part of and you help us uh, out a lot too and help us out with our, our cost too. And um, yeah, it's, we really appreciate um, any interest in joining as well. So 
thank you for listening to us on all major podcast platforms and you know as usual taking the time to engage with us on social media during this time um and especially you know asking all the questions that you did today we had a lot of questions and you know every time we interview someone we start seeing more and more questions come by so you know thank you that's really great and we we really like seeing that and and it's it's just really great to be able to ask your questions and and all that as well and please remember to be safe during this time you know not just for your safety but for the safety of others as well and you know we hope you enjoyed today's podcast and enjoy the rest of your day thank you cheers everybody